Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello and welcome to the New Books Network. I'm your host, James Stansel for the African American Studies Channel. And today I'm going to be interviewing a professor from the University of Cincinnati. The book is called Connecting the Wire, Race, Space, and Post-Industrial Baltimore. This book by Stanley Corkin is all about that HBO series of yesteryear, The Wire. Very popular show. It's something that comes up in a lot of pop culture discussions. Even now, because a lot of the issues raised in The Wire are still relevant to today and many shows uh, you see on uh, television today kind of took a lead from The Wire and what you saw with David Simon's show from those Baltimore city streets. So Stanley Corkin did a great job going season by season and and talking about some of the uh, illusions that you see in The Wire, some of the connections to the real world and doing a thorough analysis. So I really think you're going to enjoy this interview. And I think you're going to enjoy Stan, too. He's, he's a great guy. And we mentioned some of his earlier work. So he's a, a great film studies scholar. So enjoy. Uh, pull up a seat. Have a listen. And uh, let me know what you think. Connecting the Wire, Race, Space, and Post-Industrial Baltimore by Stanley Corkin, published by the University of Texas Press on the African American Studies channel of the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to the New Books Network, the African American Studies channel. I'm your host, James Stansel, and today I have the great pleasure of being here with the author of the University of Texas Press book, Connecting the Wire, Race, Space, and Post-Industrial Baltimore, Stanley Corkin. And he is the Charles Phelps Taft Professor and Nyhoff Professor of Film and Media Studies in the Department of History and English at the University of Cincinnati in Ohio. Wow, that's a mouthful. How you doing there, Stanley? I'm good. How are you, James? Doing great. Doing great. And I'm so happy I could talk with you. We talked offline about how excited I was to uh, get you on the show because I know my audience will love talking with you. The Wire, which is what your book is about, the television series The Wire from HBO, it's one of the most popular shows and it's really relevant uh, you know, in, in, in today's world. And so I'm, first of all, I want to give a shout out to my friend Patrick McLaughlin up there in Pittsburgh. I hope you're listening because this is your show. You talk with me about The Wire just about <laughs> every day. So hopefully you're going to be the first in line to buy, to buy Stan's book. So Patrick, buy his book immediately. You'll <laughs> like the book, Patrick. Yes, exactly. So you, you, you got it. An endorsement from the author himself, Dr. Corkin. All right, maybe we can work out a signed copy for him, Stan. What do you all right, think? do that. Fair enough. Maybe we can we can work that out. But, um, yes, yeah, Stanley Corkin here, University of Cincinnati, and he's writing about The Wire. Um, so before we kind of get into, you know, a lot of in-depth discussion about this book and, and about the television show, Stanley, maybe tell us a little bit about, about your background as, as a scholar. So I uh, I grew up in Boston. Okay. Uh, I, mo- I went to grad school in Atlanta okay. and in New York. Which and I went to Emory, got my master's at Emory and my PhD at NYU in American Studies. I worked okay. with uh, the famous American Studies film scholar, the late Bob Sklar, who died ah. just a few And uh, I also worked in other disciplines, primarily in history. I worked okay. with the immigration historian David Reimers, who I think. Wow. Uh, so it was a you know it was a good kind of broad yeah. training. I was always interested in film and you know in social life, so film and society, film, and history, and those have really been my topics all the way through from the time from uh, when I wrote my dissertation to now. And, you know, I, I see it as kind of a an ongoing process, and I like to think I get better at thinking about, you know, how these things uh, are involved with one another mm-hmm. uh, with each project. The so I've connectedness, right. Right. So, you know, and, and clearly – uh, it's harder to talk about history in film and certain using certain films as certain TV shows as models. But for certain TV shows or certain films, it works very well because they're really concerned with the world in front of you right. as it exists 
exists now. It's interpretive, but it's uh, it's definitely you know a vision of actuality, and that's you know that kind of draws me. So I've written about. Uh, I wrote my first book was about uh, the rise of progressivism and the emergence of uh, film as a medium at the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. Realism and the birth of the modern United States. I actually talk about D.W. Griffith and uh, the the racist classic, The Birth of a Nation. Right. That book. Uh, I my second book was about westerns as a genre, which I, it, during the Cold War particularly, and uh, the book is you know talks about the way that westerns became a device for uh, discussing American exceptionalism. Cowboys so, as Cowboy Warriors. <laughs> cool title. Uh, you know, again, you know, arrived at with an editor after much strife. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about that on, on occasion on this podcast. <laughs> well, that's part of the wire title, too, but that's, you know, that, we'll get to that. Uh, and then my uh, third book was... Uh, you know, I was I was trying to bring it up bring it up to date, and I actually this uh, old friend of mine who's a uh, labor organizer actually ran for uh, senator as a, a socialist candidate in Ohio a while ago. Uh, kept saying, "Well, you know, the action is in the '70s. Actions in the '70s and '80s around the emergence of globalization, neoliberalism." Right. And I started looking at these films that I had, you know, really liked and had seen in this uh, 70s, just around the time I moved to New York, which New York, when I moved there in the, early, in the late 70s, was a mess. You know, it was kind of a disaster. And that was kind of the, you know, the, the uh, aftermath of the city's default and bankruptcy in 1975. So I, I, you know, looked at this group of movies that were all shot in New York. They're all New York-specific movies. And uh, it's called, the book is called Starring New York, uh, right. Filming the Crime and Glamour in the Long 1970s. And it's really a book about, you know, how we envision and metaphorize uh, the emergent neo neoliberalism, emergent globalization in uh, through popular culture in the 70s. So, you know, it's interesting that, you know, almost every kind of, uh, uh, you know, economic shift was kind of tried mm -hmm. in New York in the 70s, so privatization of certain regions of the city, you know, uh, extreme uh, uh, racist policing, mm -hmm. all those things kind of came to the fore. Uh, the the uh, re-elaboration uh, of tax codes, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, uh, abated real estate, good for developers, mm -hmm. all of that stuff, you know, kind of was tried out, you know, intentionally, really, mm -hmm. uh, by a group of finance guys working with the city government in this uh, late 70s and early 80s. So, yeah, I, you know, it's interesting to kind of look at the films through the prism of that uh, place-specific history and the broader economic history of the period. Wow, those are some, some great titles there, Stan. And, you know, I'll just mention them again, you know, because if folk really like uh, Connecting the Wire, they should go back and check out some of your earlier works as well. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, they would see continuities. I mean, you know, because the when I write, I generally, you know, I focus on the uh, visual materials mm -hmm. at hand. So there's, you know, I, I kind of go where they lead me to some degree. But methodologically, you know, I'm always interested in, you know, the relationship between, you know, a material history and the visual object. So, uh, so one book is uh, Starring New York, where you're talking right. about films uh, from the 1970s in New York. And then yeah. you have uh, Cowboys as Cold Warriors, which is about, you know, the Western and, you know, the Cold War era, United States. And then uh, you talk about like a, around the turn of the century, 19th to 20th century there, realism and the birth of the modern United States where you deal with birth of a nation. Right. And some other it, films. It, that yeah, that's right. I mean, just same thing in the New York book. I also deal with a cycle of black exploitation films shot in New York during the period, like ah. Superfly and uh, Cotton Comes to Harlem and okay. so on. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I just wanted to yeah, mention those titles again, you know, so folk, uh, you know, connecting the wire is, is not the first. It's the, it's the most recent in uh, a long line or, you know, uh, a significant line of books by Stanley Corkin. And we're here with, again, Stanley Corkin, the author of Connecting the Wire. You know that television show, The Wire, Race, Space and Post-Industrial Baltimore. Stanley Corkin is the author and he's the uh, Taft professor and Nyhoff professor of Film and Media Studies in the Department of History and English at the University of Cincinnati in Ohio. And this brought, the book is brought to us by our friends at the University of Texas Press. 
So, Stanley, uh, what got you into The Wire? I mean, you t- I know you talked a little bit about your interest in terms of like the other books and how it's kind of a continuation. But what got you into, you know, The Wire? Can you tell us about that? And, you know, maybe what type of methods did you use to do this research? Fair enough. So uh, I finished the New York book mm-hmm. and doing the new New York book, you know, I was really interested in the way in which uh, films, visual media, uh give us a, a sense of relative space, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the way they envision a city, the way they envision, you know, a city's uh, discrete areas of the cities in relation to other areas of the city, the way in which they look at the city within, you know, networks of global exchange or the remoteness from networks global exchange. Right. So, you know, that was kind of the, the uh, thing I picked up, you know, more explicitly in the New York book. So I kind of been working around the edges of this in the Western book, because when you talk about the frontier, you're talking about spatial metaphors. Right. So in the book, I, I, you know, was more interested in explicitly in geography. And I was thinking about a next project. And, uh, you know, I had never subscribed to HBO, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I had heard about this series, but I didn't really know much about it. And uh, my daughter, who was, I'm trying to think of, at the time was uh, in her early, very early 20s. Okay. So like, you know, uh, she said, you know, I just watched this show. She was at University of Chicago. She said, I just watched this show. I think you really like it. So I, uh, in my frugality, I got them out of the library. But, you know, when you get <laughs> it's hard to get them in sequence, right? Right. You know, I, I'm very diligent. I'm a hard worker. So I, uh, I, I, you know, got them by the season, and I started watching through. And as I watched them, I really got sucked into. Yeah, I'm sure this has happened to you. Sure. I got sucked into the, uh, you know, into the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And also, but for me, you know, so I in Cincinnati, a, a city that's similar to Baltimore, in absolutely, Minnesota, right? You know, it has it's on the same uh, uh, latitudinal line, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bigger state. Uh, it has some of the same, uh, maybe the same proportional racial makeup mm-hmm. these days. Uh, same of the same issues and uh, a city that, you know, is clearly now it's kind of succeeding, but, you know, it's taken a long time. It's kind of it's uh, a city that was really, you know, uh, having a lot of trouble figuring out what it was going to be right. in this world after the 1980s. So uh, in Cincinnati, I've done lots of things. I've worked in local politics through, uh, through school issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've uh Coached a lot, coached my son uh, in various sports. But one of the things I did is I coached uh, uh, an all African American baseball team, okay. you know, playing in the city. And you know, in addition to the other experiences I had, this really kind of gave me a window into you know, a, in a way that most uh, people don't have, into most white people don't have, into uh, the you know, the lived experience. Right. Right. Of, of uh, being an African American in a city that is, uh, you know, that is uh, prone to to racial prejudgments, mm-hmm. and at that age as well. Right, right. So, uh, you know, so I, I would cart these kids around, and you know, we'd go to places, play these white teams, and we'd have all, you know, uh, you know, just the the uh, things these kids had to put up with it was, you know, amazing to me, right? So, you know, it's a, it's, it gets you uh, things you know, but things when you experience, they're different. They're, you know, known in a different way. Absolutely. So watching The Wire, you know, kind of made sense to me. It showed me a world that I had been around and uh, that I could, you know, that I had these insights into and, you know, it kind of filled it out for me. Ah, right, right. So it was it was deep it was not just you know compelling in terms of narrative but it was deeply interesting to me mm-hmm. you know it was really the next thing I wanted to talk about so initially when I started do you know when I was watching the show I was picking up all these kind of uh, historical references mm-hmm. and uh, the historical references it turns out were important but it was really more the sociological references okay. that you the book you know that the, the way in which they show what that the world of uh, African Americans living in the inner city who uh, do not have access to devices that will that will uh, create social mobility, mm-hmm. right? So you know, they, they, I mean, this is the stuff that you know. The interesting thing is, I had read William Julius Wilson, and so had David Simon, mm-hmm. 
and you know a lot of what he writes the great about, sociologist right right uh, you know a lot of what he writes about is this kind of uh, bifurcation of African American class mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know that's all over the wire you I mean uh, you know it is substantially a show of uh, African American characters mm-hmm. and but you know not all African American characters are the same so that it has you know it's it's the crime element is within an inner city and it's you know people who are very entrepreneurial some of them yes but but and, and brilliant but they don't have access to the formal devices that allow you to you know uh, go to college or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. learn a trade or whatever right and so the police are substantially African-American, too. You know, actually, David Simon does a reasonable job of representing the racial makeup of the force. And though right. we know that, uh, you know, that it, just because a police force is integrated and proportional doesn't mean that, you know, kinds of residual racism or racial practices don't exist within the force. And, True. you know, this, Simon's, you know, talking about Baltimore, right? And uh, Simon is very, you know, he's smart and sensitive to these things. And he kind of laid it out. And you have to, you know, pay a lot of attention to get, you know, the, the world that he's elaborating. So that's what I, tr- that's what I attempted to do, do in this book. I tried to, uh, you know, watching is different. You know, it kind of washes over you. You have these insights. They're fleeting. They come and they go. But they're, you know, interesting to you. They pique your interest. Mm-hmm. You know, writing, you got to kind of put it all together. <laughs> right. Tell the story that you think, you know, the bigger story that you think these uh, allusions that the, the uh, these allusions refer to in the context of these five seasons, and okay. that's what we're trying to do in the book. All right. Yeah, and, and you did. You definitely connected us, so to speak, to the wire. <laughs> and maybe it was a you know it's a great read, and for people who like the series, I I, th- I really do believe Stanley they'll like your book. You know because it's. One of those things where you can go back and just kind of, oh, right, you know, this is that connection. This is in that connection. This is how it kind of relates in the larger, you know, world. And, right. you, know, you know, this is, of course, an academic book because you're, you're a, you know, a scholar, a very good one. But it's, in my view, definitely accessible to the average person who wants to, you know, maybe know a little bit more and dig a little bit deeper um, right. into the things that they see in The Wire and, and, and how The Wire can relate to the real world. Just like it spoke to you about your experiences in Cincinnati with those young men. Right, right. So it's, I mean, I, and that's what, exactly what I was trying to do. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't have to try to reach a general audience. It's just the, you know, I'm trying to tell a story in the way in which I'm telling it uh, is necessarily accessible. You know, mm-hmm. as a matter of my predisposition, not as a matter of, you know, sinking out an audience. It's just, it's a, you know, it, it, when it works, you just connect, right? And that's, you know, I don't, cons- I don't try to go into the deep into the academic weeds. I try to explain things with clarity so that, you know, I'm clarifying it for myself in terms that I think are uh, valuable and ideally people will find it accessible. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I really felt like that. I felt like you <laughs> were like myself. I mean, you were a fan of the series and you were kind of it, ex- explaining it for yourself you right. know, and, and sharing your observations and realizations with us as well in, in your book so well done sir <laughs> thank you thank you i'm glad you enjoyed it and you know and again i'm here with the author of connecting the wire race space and post-industrial baltimore and we're on the african-american studies channel of the new books network and this this work is published by the university of texas press our friends there and the author is stanley corkin he's a phelps professor Phelps, Charles Phelps Taft, professor and a Nyhoff professor of film and media studies in the Department of History and English at the University of Cincinnati in Ohio. And again, the book is Connecting the Wire about that that well-known television show. David Simon, I think, is the creator, correct? That's right. All right. The creator of that show that appeared on HBO, Connecting the Wire. Well, the show is The Wire. Right. Dr. Corkin's book is Connecting the Wire. That's right. <laughs> and he's con- connecting you to the wire and giving you some deeper understanding of the wire if, if you if you read his book. Um, and so how, how long did it take you, Stanley, to kind of go through this process and complete this work? So now it's 2017. So it probably took me, you know, from wire to wire, I'd say five years. All right. No pun intended. <laughs> right. I, I, I didn't even mean it. Uh, so I think that... Uh, you know, when I started the book, I thought, well, this, you know, it uses a lot of the methods that I used in the New York book, 
uh, I'll just, you know, knock this bad boy out. Well, <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of revising and, uh, you know, uh, finding the narrative, finding the angle into each season. And, you know, it just, and even production takes a while. Right. So it, you know, it's just for me anyway, for other people can knock them out probably, but for me, it's a more exacting process and it involves a lot of revision and it involves, you know, I'm always extending my areas of knowledge when I do one of these books, right? Oh, because cool. I'm, you know, I'm kind of following where it takes me and, uh, you know, so the even the kind of ancillary reading, you know, oh, and then right, right. And rewatching the show and rewatching the show and rewatching the show. So it, you know, it, it's uh, it becomes a pretty involved process. Right, and to make sure you miss like, anything, I like to make uh, think that each book gets better because I've learned more. Absolutely, and it's as humans, a, yeah, that's what should happen. We should improve a little bit more each time. Right, right, right. So I get better at it, and I know more. And it would be great if films work that way too, but they don't know. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Sequels, you know, the more they do, the less good it is, right? Yeah, that's the, the opposite of probably, uh, you know, how 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 books are. Well, and, you know, in, uh, the Wire by the fifth season, you know, uh, which is an interesting season conceptually, but it's dramatically not that good. You know, almost everybody who writes about it thinks that, right. and I think. You know, they were tired. They were burnt out. You know, Dan was on to the next project, and they had enough Baltimore. But uh, they were going to try as long as they could to, you know, keep it going, I guess, as long as the money was coming in, right? Well, I think they had, con- you know, what, probably they contract for a fifth season when they before they did the fourth. And, yeah, I mean, that, you know, walking away from that would have been uh, you know, hard to do. What do they call it? Uh, j- jumping the shark uh, at some point. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, you can you can always tell. Uh, sometimes, you know, shows come back to uh, you know coherence, but you can tell that uh, when a show is just kind of you know un- uh, unraveling. Right, and it's time so, yeah, to kind of end it. Yeah, in a sense. And so you mentioned earlier, Stan, a little bit about your your title and how you came to that title or how the title that title. <laughs> came to you, so to speak. And it's always interesting to hear authors talk about that because, you know, the average person thinks, oh, you know, you write the book, you choose the title and you choose the uh, the visuals, the artwork on the on the cover. And so I really like people to understand that it doesn't always work that way. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> so uh, I, you know, this title, I always wanted the subtitle. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, you know, the main title for I uh, was. Uh, I had a working title. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't that good. And then when I came time to uh, to finally title the book, mm-hmm. my uh, my suggestion was the wire unwound. It's like Prometheus <laughs> unbound. I thought that was really clever. The guy, I thought it was really stupid. So uh, we back and forth for a while, and he you know he wanted some sort of uh, play on words that you know that included the wire. Right. Right. So, okay. So, uh, he, he finally, he, you know, we argued and argued and I said, I gave it up and he gave me the subtitle. So that was the agreement. And my, (laughs) my book cover was not that book cover, which is, you know, it's interesting. So he Mm -hmm. chose the first shot of the first of the credit pre-credit sequence Mm -hmm. in the first episode of the first season. Right. So do, do you you know uh, you know the the uh, snot boogie scene right? right that's sitting out on the on the, the stoop there right right so uh, which is a great scene and it's a great introduction to the show but my scene what I wanted for the <laughs> I think in season three just before uh, uh, Stringer gets shot gets right. killed not to ruin it for anybody oh, oh <laughs> too well too late go ahead too late. Uh, there's a scene where Je- where uh, uh, Avon Barksdale and Stringer are celebrating their success, mm-hmm. and there's they're on the balcony of uh, uh, Stringer's condo mm-hmm. in, a, in a new building overlooking the harbor, right? And they're drinking cognac, and then uh, you know I talk about this in the in the, the chapter on, on uh, in the chapter on season three mm-hmm. that uh, Stringer says he he 
he has to get up in the morning. He can't he can't stay and drink with Avon, and you know that's kind of him. You know, kind of uh, aspiring to a nine to five corp. You know, kind of businessman's existence. But it's a great shot. You know, because it kind of recognizes the kind of the pinnacle of their success, and you know, the world is their the Baltimore that they've always aspired to, and has the legs mason. You know, the big financial services right. company sign over in the in the you know the new development development in the inner harbor just in front of them so i thought you know it was a dark shot and it kind of gets their backs but you can see him some in profile and i said bring up the light a little bit (laughs) that's you know that's the cover and there was no question about it i still think so (laughs) know that they had shifted the picture until the book came out and i said said to my wife i said uh (laughs) what am i going to do and i i just i gave it up so you know i've come to like it you know uh yeah uh I don't know if it's better or not, but, you know, it does the job. And uh, I defer, you know, the book people, they, they, they know what imperatives, yeah. right? <laughs> right. So no problem. So what's the, yeah, the popular expression now is stay in your lane. Right. You know, so <laughs> right. I guess they let, let them handle the promotion production part and you handle the writing part, I guess. is I, You know, yeah. and, and anyway, you know, in the end, if they want to do it a certain way, they can do it, right? They they, they can. <laughs> well, I, I like the title "Connecting the Wire." I, I like I, your title too, Stan. But I, I I must say I like that title a little bit. Better. I think so too. So he was right about that. I, I I give that up. And you know, and I think with this picture, you know, and I could kind of, as you were explaining it, I could kind of see why he'd want to choose that because it's like the very beginning. Right, it's the introduction to the show. So you know, people maybe would recognize that, and you know, it's it's on the cover. And then, you know, it's showing that grittiness, right. you know, of, of Baltimore. I think you, yours is kind of more, which I can understand, you know, why you'd want to do that. That's a whole thing for another show. Right. <laughs> but, you know, want to show like the upper upward mobility and, you know, and the end kind of thing. But, you know, others who maybe don't necessarily see things or understand things the way that your, your, approach, your approach or mine would say, OK, this is what the wire is all about. Right. It's gritty. Right. Street, you know, kind of thing. And it is that. But it was it was more than that, too. Right? I mean, I've shown that clip so many times and I still each time I watch I watch it. I, I chuckle, you know, and the line is, uh, you mean someone whose name whose mother named him Omar Isaiah Betts forgot to bring his Kleenex one day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a it's, it's a wonderful show. And, you know, shout out. Mr. Simon, for doing such a, a great job, for giving Stan something to write about here. I appreciate it. And yeah, it def- definitely kept your attention. You know, um, when you were saying how you kind of got caught in with the DVDs, I was thinking about, you know, now with streaming, with right. you know Netflix and those kind of shows, how you can just keep watching back to back to back. Well, uh, HBO Go, you know, has right. everything that they've ever done. And you can, you know, you can binge watch any show or show uh, the Showtime streaming option too right yeah. you know so this stuff is it, it's so easy so accessible these days to uh for a subscriber or you know people i i know that they uh maybe they're not supposed to do this but they share uh uh yes. passwords <laughs> and yeah. uh you know so th- this stuff is much more available even on uh some of it's you know some portion of it is available on youtube and we're not we're not condoning sharing passwords at all <laughs> Stan was just talking about the fact that those kind of things do happen they in do. the real world, right? They do. And well, I think that, you know, those streaming services have, you know, allow for a certain degree of password share. Within the same family and, and stuff like that. Right. So Absolutely. with the number concurrently, you know, at the same time, so many people can watch. And so we're talking about, uh, we're here on the African-American Studies Channel, the New Books Network, having a great time here talking with my new friend Stanley Corkin about his book, Connecting the Wire. Race, Space, and Post-Industrial Baltimore, brought to us by our friends from the University of Texas Press. And yes, you were right. What, what's that gentleman's name uh, with the connecting the wire that chose the, the cover and the uh, title? Jim Burr. Jim Burr, you were, you were, were right. You were right. This a, <laughs> yes, this is a, it's a great cover, and the, the title is awesome as well. And, um, you know, Stanley and I were just talking about the, about streaming services, Amazon, Netflix, uh, would you mention the HBO Go, yes. so on and so forth. And so I would recommend, you know, even if you haven't seen all the seasons of The Wire or have, even if you haven't started, pick up Stanley's book and watch it and read as you go. You know, you can get instant analysis 
you know, make instant connections and, and pick up all those illusions and those important things. And think about today's world and your city. I'm in Houston. You're in Cincinnati. You know, think about well, Cincinnati area and you think about your connections as a as a reader or as a uh, a viewer the uh, wire to your city. You know, yeah. and, and that's, that's that's what Stanley did. I, I think that the book enriches your sense of what the series is doing. So, you right. know, you have the uh, stamina, you know, probably a good thing to do is to watch it through once and then watch it through again with the book. And, well, it's a great series, so that shouldn't be a problem. No, I agree. <laughs> two times through, you know, that two times through is good. I don't know if about a third, but two times. <laughs> Maybe a little too much violence and, and, you know, and some kind of bad, bad situations there if you go to the third time. But, I mean, certainly, I mean, it's, it's a, a great series. And, you know, and as we have things that happen in the world and as you have movies and things come out, I often hear people, you know, reference The Wire. You know, and, and they make those connections, you know, uh, to the wire, particularly when you have the situation with the police brutality. Right. Uh, you know, or alleged police brutality or alleged police misconduct here recently in Baltimore that shined a new light. And, you know, people were interviewing Simon. And, you know, the, again, the, the wire was uh, coming back into the forefront. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's amazing how contemporary the series feels. Right. Because the social circumstances, the city that the. Uh, series depicts uh, have not really changed. Maybe they've changed a little. You know, the, the thing that the, uh, the, the series gets a little, but it probably if it was redone today, it would get more, is the way in which the gentrif- the sprawling gentrification of the right. moves uh, poor people to the inner line suburbs. Those places take on a lot of the difficulties that formerly were lodged in the inner cities. I mean, that's when, during the last presidential campaign, when Trump was talking about uh, the inner city, uh, most African Americans, of course, don't live in the inner city, right? And a lot of African Americans who, you know, poor African Americans lived in the inner cities are being displaced because uh, you know, more prosperous people of all races want the real estate, and that's really happening in Baltimore. I mean, I was there a few years ago, and uh, the na- most of the neighborhoods where Simon shot remained, you know, pretty. Uh, on the edge, but the downtown just gets fancier and fancier mm-hmm. every year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Building more and more stuff like the hotels and you know casinos and right. all those things in the you know in that Baltimore D.C. area. I mean, it's changing everything. Right, right. So it just you know even just putting the ballpark downtown, you know, uh, was the beginning of redevelopment, which is also kind of a model for urban redevelopment all over the country. Absolutely. Free ball, you know, for rich people. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. The views expressed by Dr. Stanley Corkin are not necessarily the views of the New Books Network. <laughs> we have to throw that in there sometimes. That's okay. and you know, we did it. We did it in Cincinnati too. They they actually built a new ballpark, but they put it on the riverfront rather than in the neighborhoods because they was they were afraid that people from the suburbs wanted to get in and out of the city in a hurry. So right. they didn't do that, but they should have actually. But uh, you know that's certainly the trend. And actually, in uh, season five, you know we have mm-hmm. we we feature the uh, Camden Yards, which is a great ballpark. You know, it is. It's very good, and it really was an anchor for a kind of downtown redevelopment. And, you know, and, and you know, you mentioned about you know redevelopment, some of those things. And I recall when when the wire was on. There was some, you know, some criticism of it. And you now we can look kind of in retrospect, which is people said, you know, you shouldn't have a show like The Wire because it makes Baltimore look bad. And everybody thinks Baltimore is just this bad area or whatever. You know, what are your thoughts about that? Well, that? I think that uh, what I generally think about <laughs> people who say things like that is the people who think it makes the city look bad and generalize from the show. They're not mm-hmm. in Baltimore anyway. Right. <laughs> you know, because they already they already. Uh, have a certain uh, fear of urbanness. Mm. So an urban phobia, we could call it. But and and I think also think that if you constrain, you know, a uh, you know a an artist, a, a producer, a film, a TV show from showing what's you know the world, mm-hmm. you know, then that that's uh, you know it it. it uh, it makes the media, you know, it, it defangs the medium. It makes it irrelevant. Right. So, you know, Simon had been a police reporter 
and had you know that he had done that. Did you ever uh, you know the uh, the show The Corner? Yes. And in uh, the book The Corner, which is a kind of ethnography of the inner city, mm-hmm. you know the great series, right? So uh, you know Simon had you know deeply involved himself in this world. So it's not like he was making it up. I mean, there are conventions of narrative that you have to put in, but his his uh, eye is really, and his sensibility is really a reporter's sensibility. So he's not showing you things that aren't there. So I think that, you know, people who say it puts the city in a bad light, well, if that's the city, that's the city, right? It is what it is. Right. right. It, and it's uh, it's not the whole city, and if people are outraged, they should do something about it. I was, I was just going to say that, right. If you if you don't like what you see in The Wire, you know, you could try to affect some change right. in Baltimore or in your community if you don't want to see a wire made in your town. Right. I mean, that's, you know, one of the uh, interesting things in the series, you know, a, a lot of people's favorite season is season four, mm-hmm. which deals with uh, inner city schools, which is a subject. Right. Of, right. I hear about that one all the time. Right. And it's, you know, it's absolutely true that they kids who need the most get the least and that, you know, the historical avenue for, uh, for, uh, social mobility is the public schools. Mm-hmm. And in the re- regime of neoliberalism, those schools have been largely defunded. And now if we, you know, follow the, the fortune of the Prince and Amway families, the DeVos family, they'll be completely privatized and that, you know, those vouchers never adequately fund, access to better schools what they do is they they move the chairs on the titanic so that you know uh they what happens is that uh people profit from the misserving of poor students so uh you know instead of putting money into public schools and you know the people know the models of education that work and you know it's interesting so the the big intervention in season four is the ex-cop prisbelewski is becomes a teacher and he really gets involved with his students and he tries to right. affect their lives. But the thing that's so difficult is that there's no institutional device to aid him in doing mm. So that's the thing that works in inner city schools is this kind of comprehensive programs that, you know, are quite expensive and, you know, involve, you know, multidisciplinary aspects of, uh, Education, education mm-hmm. writ large. So, you know, so this is, it's, it's smart. You know, it's a very smart, uh, season and it really shows you, uh, the difficulties in, you know, in, uh, in affecting, you know, in doing the things that'll real, possibly affect the kind of social change that those people are implicitly mm-hmm. talking about when they're saying, well, you know, the city is a wreck. Well, the city's a wreck, then, you know, why don't you get these, you know, allow for, you know, uh, schools that are physically uh, kempt, you know, new schools, good facilities, you know, their adequate staffing of teachers. I mean, Prisbelewski's not, a, you know, one of the uh, telling things is in that season is that Prisbelewski is not a certified teacher. And the thing I like about him is that he's been a cop because the people who've been in the system, you know, no fault of their own, they look at schools as social control. Not right. education. So it's a very interesting season. It's, you know, kind of replete with social commentary. And it, it, it's not a rebuttal to people who complain about, you know, showing that Baltimore. But, you know, if you if you nudge it a little bit, you can see that, you know, they're, they're, the critique is, uh, is if it was heated would be an effective one. And it's, you know, and it's showing people that maybe who don't know or don't see that world what you know kind of you know of course it is is fiction but i mean there's you know as you said you know with simon there's a lot of truth in in what's there which is why people like the wire i mean it's exposing you know you know maybe a side of the world that a lot of people you know maybe haven't seen or aren't as familiar with it's forcing them to look at it through an entertaining narrative right right so that and i and i think that that's the uh the power of the show that the the narrative and you, you know, you get involved with the characters and, you know, you, you kind of access that world. Absolutely. And that world is the wire, the uh, famed and legendary HBO series created by uh, David Simon. And we're here with an, with the author of a book on that great series. It's called connecting the wire race. Obama's favorite TV show. (laughs) <laughs> Barack Obama's favorite TV show. An endorsement. We should have got him to. <laughs> we should have got him to do a little back blurb. 
I, but I would the, have been hired to do, but I would have appreciated it. <laughs> but the book is Connecting the Wire, Race, Space, and Post-Industrial Baltimore. Stanley Corkin is the author, and we're here on the New Books Network, the African American Studies channel. And Stanley is a professor, a Taft professor, and Nahal professor of film and media studies in the Department of History and English at the University of Cincinnati in Ohio. And earlier in the podcast, we talked about some of his earlier works. I think you should check those out as well. And um, the Connecting the Wire, his latest book just came out this year. It's pre- pretty fresh off the presses, as they say. That's right. And, you know... Um, one of the things I, you know, that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned as you were talking about the education piece in that season, I'm glad you brought that up, Stan, because I wanted to talk about, you know, some of the, you know, those kind of current events and kind of uh, social commentary aspects of The Wire. But it really, that season reminded me of uh, another HBO documentary. You may or may not have seen it. It's called Hard Times in Douglas, at Douglas High, Frederick Douglas High School there in Baltimore. Oh, really? I've never seen yeah. it. Yeah, I'll share that with you offline if you're you're interested yeah, in that. But it was, yeah, it was like a 90 minute documentary, and it was just you know it was showing to teachers and schools there and how difficult it was for them to kind of go through the year and how out of control some of the students were, and exactly what you said the difficulties the principal and the teachers had you know of of getting the support is really really kind of sad. And you know I was a teacher for almost 20 years myself. You know, in all different kinds of schools. And, you know, the first time I watched that with my wife, you know, it just made me think, oh, my gosh, you know, it's horrible to have to deal with students in that kind of situation. It's tough. I mean, I taught at uh, Atlanta Federal Prison when I was a very young man. Oh and uh, you're still a young man. Stan. <laughs> I was a lot younger then. It was when I was I mean, I was I was 24 years old. I was oh, okay. a relatively new grad student. And uh, uh, that program was administered by Mercer in uh, Atlanta. Okay, and I and I needed a job, and this guy called me and he said, "Well, I got to have a class for you, uh, two classes actually." And I said, "Yeah, where are they?" And he said, "They're at the federal prison." And I thought, ah, I don't know. And then uh, I I said, "Well, you know, you can't really turn down a job if you don't have a job." So I took it. Absolutely. And it was really an education. I mean, I you know I so I spent uh, two quarters there, uh, spring quarter, and summer quarter, two classes each quarter. And uh, I learned a lot. I mean, Atlanta Federal Pen was eventually closed down because, it, you know, it was built as a Victorian structure. It was very hard to police uh, a social mm. killed right after I was uh, left there. Uh, it was it was definitely, you know, I learned a lot about the relationship between prisoners and guards, a lot about, uh, you know, what it is like to be incarcerated. Most of my prisoners were uh, Vietnam vets and drug offenders. Mm. So, you know, uh, right, right. So people who, you know, were not nefarious criminals, they were mostly guys who, you know, who become addicts in Vietnam and didn't have access to decent treatment. So it was uh, just kind of victims of circumstance, so to speak. Pretty much. And uh, so that was very interesting to me. And that also, you know, was I always think of that as an experience that, uh, you know, uh, gave me insights into, you know, what it means to, you uh, you know, what the drug trade is, what it means, you know, who's in it, mm. you know, uh, how that functions as a as a social group. Mm. And um, there's a, a recent series, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called uh, Net, on Netflix, Luke Cage, Marvel's Luke Cage. My son watches it, he loves it. And, and, you know, it reminds me a lot of The Wire. I mean, it's obviously only 13 episodes, but there are some aspects to me. You may maybe have to ask your son and maybe take a look at yourself. He and, told me and, you know, I would like it, so I, I should probably check it out. Uh, yeah, because it reminds me, of, you know, a lot of of the wire. But we'll have to talk about that later offline if you get a chance to watch it. And I'll send you my review that I I did um, for Entertainment Fuse. You know, I'm a television critic as as well, so you can kind of get a feel Thanks. for that. But it reminds me a lot of uh, of the wire. So you haven't seen it yet. So maybe part two, we'll have to come back and get you to share with the audience your your thoughts and if there's a connection or I guess people can contact you as well. I mean, if they, yeah, yeah. you know, are you, are you open to, uh, oh, yeah. hearing from, yeah. And, uh, you know, so you can find me if you just, uh, Google me, you know, you can mm-hmm. find my, uh, my university account, UC, uh, dot edu. So, you know, it's, it's for any, uh, professor at a public university, you know, you, the access information is really readily available. So if you want to talk with with Stan or, or, or share your thoughts on The Wire or, or any of his other works, you heard that, folks. Feel free to get in contact with him at University of Cincinnati. 
Maybe you could uh, they could help you get involved with whatever your next book project is or something. Give you some ideas about it. I, I, I'm always looking for new ideas. <laughs> well, when you meant, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, uh, you go, and then I'll. Uh, okay. Well, what I was going to say is when you were talking a little earlier and you were talking about the educational aspects of the wire, I was thinking, man, I could see you know another book project. You seem to have some excitement there, Stanley. I was going to say that could be another project, some education type films. You know, talking about some of these issues. I'm uh, my, my the project I've been working on is uh, a related project. It's about it's uh, it's about Boston as a ah, okay. uh, as a as a media presence, uh, but also as a kind of post-industrial brand in mm-hmm. uh, in the again in the same period in the period after the 1970s. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the, I just finished a, an essay for a collection on a group of films that were. Uh, shot between uh, really the only films really that use Boston as a setting uh, in any pronounced way between ni- 1973 and 1982. I mm-hmm. about Friends of Eddie Coyle, uh, The Brinks okay. and The Verdict. But I talk a lot about the busing crisis, which will be mm-hmm. a chapter in, uh, in the, uh, uh, in the bigger book. And, uh, you know, the bus, I mean, that, I was not living in Boston at the time. I was, you know, I'm trying to think. So, the, you know, the really, uh, I, I was at college, you know, when this kind of came to the fore. And uh, so I would read about it, but I, I didn't experience it directly. But certainly, you know, the bus, uh, you know, that the issues of school integration in mm-hmm. Austin uh, were a huge, you know, national event. And they, again, suggest the difficulties of urban education, both for poor whites and poor African Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, on, on one level, you know, the, the, uh, not condoning the behavior, but, you know, to send, uh, you know, to move, uh, poor whites across town to sit next to poor African Americans is, you know, it's, there's a justification, but there's, also, you know, a bigger question being asked about how we define about space, really, about how mm-hmm. we define districts, and you know, what about all these abutting suburban districts, and you know, how, how do we, you know, change school funding mechanisms? So that, I am interested in that, and it kind of finds its way into the next project. Okay, well, yeah, you kind of took my next question. I was going to ask there, you know, because I know we're. Getting a little longer. I don't want to keep you too long. I, I met your lovely wife earlier. Y'all probably have a nice dinner planned or some. <laughs> well, one of the things I talk about in the next book is also sports, and one of the things I talk, I, you know, reference in that chapter is the thing that just happened with Adam Jones. You know, and this is part of the Boston thing. Right, right there in Boston. Right. You know that uh, this really gentrified, you know, educated city that's succeeding and by, you know, almost all measures, you know, some knucklehead, you know, uh, you know. Is, is spewing out racial hatred in the midst of a crowd of, you know, 40,000 people around, you know, all kinds of people, children, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, that is part of the story. So that, you know, those, you know, and it's, you know, the justification is part of a historical reference, I think. So your, so your next work is going to be on Boston or any other, other projects that you have that you're working on? No, this will keep, this will, this will do it. For <laughs> So, you know, it, it, I think of it as a big book. So I'll talk about films. I'll talk about yeah. the imprint of sports teams, particularly the Red Sox, a little bit about the Celtics. You know, one yeah. of the things that I always think about is that, you know, uh, Bill Russell always talked about Boston as the most toxic place he, oh. could, ever, he could ever play. And, you know, there's stories about Celtics legend, right? Uh, stories about, you know, racial incidents he had while living in Boston, uh, you know, or, or part of the story. I actually met uh, Bill Russell was at my daughter's. His grandson was graduating University of Chicago with my. Oh, okay. With my daughter, and he was standing there wearing his three Celtics rings. And I, I said to uh, my daughter's boyfriend at the time, I said, uh, "It's Bill Russell over there, and I know he hates to be approached. You know, hates it, right?" And I said, "But it's Bill Russell." So I went over and I talked to him for a minute. I shook his hand. He was very gracious. I turned my back. And he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> he had been recognized. He had been recognized. You know, but, you know, if you're six foot nine and you're wearing three big, you know, diamond rings with Celtics insignias on it, you know, you might be recognized. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It would be very <laughs> difficult to, to not be. Wow. So, yeah, well, definitely when you get that finished, I know it took you about five years to do the wire, so it may 
may be a while, but I definitely want you back on the show. I, I would love to come, and I, you know, I, uh, I hope this book comes out as well as the Wire book did. I mean, I, I'm proud of the work I did, and I, I think that yeah. you know, it offers a lot to uh, fans of the show and if people who might think they might could be. Fans right. Potential fans of the show. And like I, like I said, shows like uh, Luke Cage or, you know, some of these other shows that have kind of similar themes, you know, they can look back to The Wire as a show that was an inspiration, uh-huh. you know, right. so they can go back or well, American Crime, you know, the anthology series right. that ABC Which, has right now. Right. Also a very good show. Yeah. And so they could go back if they like those things, go go back and, and watch The Wire and read Stanley's book, Connecting The Wire, Race, Space, and post-industrial Baltimore, University of Texas Press, and, and we're here with the author Stanley Corkin of the University of Cincinnati. And on that note, Stan, I'm going to turn you loose, and you go and uh, enjoy your day. Thank you so much. You know, it was, it was a great interview. I enjoyed it. And, uh, and uh, you know, I really think our, our, our audience, our listeners are going to enjoy it. And if they want to talk with you about The Wire, yeah, you know, email Stan if you have some ideas or something you want to share with him about Boston. Uh, you know, they they can do that as well, right? Okay. Absolutely. On that note, we're going to end it here on the African American Studies channel of the New Books Network. I'm your host, James Stansel. And uh, Stan, if you don't mind, if you want to say goodbye to the audience. Uh, thank you for having me, James, and goodbye to all uh, listeners. And uh, I hope you enjoy the book and, uh, Absolutely. and, and uh, learn from the interview. Absolutely. And the book, again, is Connecting the Wire, and it's published by the University of Texas Press. And thank you so much, Dr. Corkin. Thank you. And um, we'll, t- we'll talk a little further offline. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time on the African American Studies channel of the New Books Network. Take care. Peace and love. All right, we're back here on the New Books Network, the African American Studies channel. I'm your host, James Stansel, and I hope you enjoyed that interview there with Stanley Corkin of uh, University of Cincinnati. His book, Connecting the Wire, Race, Space, and Post-Industrial Baltimore, Stanley Corkin, University of Texas Press. And uh, he told us his next book is going to be about Boston, so I'm hoping to get him back and talk a little bit more about uh film, television, entertainment, and how it relates to these cities. Of course, this one's about Baltimore. He's already done something on New York. Um, so he's a very interesting writer and a great scholar. Um, and he's, you know, if you like The Wire and you want to drop him a line at University of Cincinnati, he's definitely open to it. Or if you have any ideas about Boston or any of his other work, he definitely would love to hear from you. So on that note, I'm going to wish you peace and love. I hope you enjoyed Connecting The Wire with Stanley Corkin. And we'll see you next time on the African American Studies channel of the New Books Network. I'm your host, James Stansel. Peace and love.